This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. And there it is. That's as good as it gets on this stage. Nissan Townstar EV strikes again. It's an unstoppable van. Unstoppable! Look, just fantastic. You can actually see the ProPilot technology in action. Effortless parallel parking. It moves with all the confidence that comes with a five-year warranty. And with a bench full of all-star van experts, there's real strength in depth here. That's all-star quality. Search Nissan Townstar EV and visit your local all-star van centre to see for yourself. Terms and conditions apply. Five years or 100,000 miles, whichever comes first. ProPilot is an advanced driver assist technology. Driver's responsibility to stay alert, drive safely, and control vehicle at all times. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. McDelivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the results, you'll always be winning with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app and you'll get rewards points delivered too. So that ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus rewards registration required. Points only on menu items, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Hi everyone and welcome back to the pod. Um, so uh, yeah, a little bit of a different way to start the pod off today, but the audio you've just heard uh, was what obviously a lot of Stoke fans were feeling after yet another disappointing loss, this time to a very poor, uh, I mean, awful, I'll probably use actually, uh, Preston side. Um, anyway, on a brighter note, probably for at least another 10 seconds or so before we move into the more depressing realm of, uh, of Stoke, uh, I'm very pleased to welcome to the pod, uh, Sam, how are you mate? I'm good, thank you, how are you? Good mate, good. I've been uh, say not been not been very well, but I'll I'm getting there. It's it's amazing. You start doing a pod and you get brighter straight away. Uh, unfortunately, still gonna gonna depress us here, mate. So uh, yeah, thank you for joining us. And I know it's obviously your first time on on the pod. So just for everyone's benefit, mate, do you want to just give us a bit of an overview yourself? How long you supported Stoke? Uh, where you're from, etc. Um. So obviously, my name's Sam. I've I've supported Stoke all my life, really. Um. My dad, my granddad, my whole family's from Stoke. My great 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 granddad used to play for them, um, and we've only recently started to get season tickets, and it's it's allows us to get down there more really, um, and we enjoy going, partly, and it's just recent times it's been very very hard. <laughs> yeah, I was, I was going to say, mate. I mean, in terms of where you're based, are you? Does it actually say to me you're based in York? Is that right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So uh, I live in York, and we have to drive down. I think it's like two two hours twenty each week, yeah, just for that. <laughs> Plus, yeah, mate, I do feel sorry for you. I mean, I, I live down the road, and it's painful enough to get there. Never mind, buddy, two and a half hours, Jesus. <laughs> um, yeah. Anyway, so I mean, Dan will be joining us shortly, so we'll we'll catch up with uh, Dan. He, he never misses a pod, but he's uh, sorting the kids out over being, I think, a pain in the backside. But um, oh, Christ, okay. Where do we start with this one? Uh, I mean, quite quite simply, it was an absolutely dreadful performance yet again. Um, once again, we lost at home. It feels a little bit like Groundhog Day to me, mate. I mean, I don't know how how many other ways we could possibly say this, but for me, it was an inept performance. The players seeming to lack effort and, and maybe quality as well. Um, I mean, there's there's a number of issues, but I mean, 
again really sound let's start off obviously that that piece of audio you know you're not fit to wear the shirt i think it said a lot a lot of for how people are feeling right now you know yeah. booze rang around the stadium i can't really blame anyone for venting their opinions especially you know people do travel over the, the country to try and watch stoke and get into home games i mean people give up time money they deserve to say what they what they want but what was your initial feelings to that a, a bit surprised maybe um well I think people just probably feel a bit unengaged with the club, really, because when the players aren't working for, for the club that you love and you, you spend money on, you spend time to go and see, it's just, it, it's obviously a bit depressing. Um, but, like, when you see Baker, who's a brilliant player, making terrible passes straight off the pitch from five yards, <laughs> I mean, that that was the one for me. It was It's just painful. What do you think's happened to Baker? I mean, a lot of people are saying that it's because of his, you know, he's been put too far back in the team. He's playing more of a defensive midfielder. Do you think it's as simple as that, or do you think he's he's lost his way somehow? Well, I think I think it's a bit deeper. I I, I might have a sneaky feeling that Alex Neil might not agree with him because obviously we've seen him been been subbed off prematurely in like the 65th minute, like three times already under Alex Neil. I, I just wonder if he doesn't really like him as much as uh, O'Neill did. Because O'Neill gave him a bit more freedom, really, compared to Alex Neal. Well, hopefully, man, I think we're lacking a bit of... Um, I don't know, we're lacking something in, in that centre-midfield field spot. I mean, we've mentioned, you know, the likes of Smallbone and, uh, and bits like that. I mean, players that have really been... Well, fans just don't like them. <laughs> Let's call it how it is. Like They, they just don't see, they, they don't see the value in them. And... I think you know we're we quite weak. For me, Baker is so much better when he's playing further forward. Um, I think he at the minute is just floating through games. He's not really being noticed. When he's being noticed, that's because he's having to give fouls away and pick up bookings. Um, so you know, again, I don't want to just single him out. We'll you know, we'll we'll come back to that, I'm sure. But um, yeah, I mean, for for me, I think I get the audio. I understand it. Um, I haven't heard things like that at home. For as long as I can remember, if I'm honest, I think there was a game years ago in our promotion season. I can't remember where it was. I think I'm thinking Rochdale or something like that away from home. We took them to penalties, and uh, we played absolutely dreadful. We won on penalties basically, but um, that was the last time that I physically remember hearing that, and that's what 2007, 2008. Yeah. So, I mean, Christ, we've had a great time since then, but the last five or six years, mate, have just been. One downhill, downhill. It, yeah, feels like the club's just not not rotting, but it feels like it's it's going downhill. I mean, I, I'm not I'm not one personally for the fans booing them at, at full time because I f- I feel like that doesn't really help because it creates like a toxic environment. So, um, but then again, I don't I don't agree with them not trying the hardest to fight for the badge because, like I said before, we spend a lot of money to go and watch the games and spend a lot of time just for them to not reciprocate, kind of. Well, I think one of the moments for me towards the end of the game was what Clark, when he just kicked the ball into the stands. You know, it's injury time, yeah. I want to try and get the ball back quickly. Maybe a one lucky long ball that works out, but we've got our own players kicking the ball into the stands. Like, exactly. Little, little things like that are just showing to me that either morale's that low, that they're just scared and hiding, um, mm. I don't think they don't care. I think I think it's unfair to say they don't care, but um, I, I don't get it because we've come back after the international break. We started okay. 
what was it, one win and a couple of draws uh, and stuff like that. So we didn't start too badly. But I think when you when you constantly lose at home, I think, what is it, 56 games out of 100 and something. I think we've like, won like 54 games at home, lost like 56 or 59. I am, mm. I'm sure Dan's got the stats, but it's a pretty dreadful home performance. And I'm pretty confident we're probably bottom of the home table now. So probably. it's it's hard to defend that. I mean, there's a clear issue with our home form, and this is what I mean. I think fans and the players have now all of a sudden got this disconnect. Um, You know, it was a turning point for me in the match where I think it was a few of the players started to clap and walk over to the fans um, and then very quickly decided to turn around. Now, I'd heard bits about players having their fingers stuck up to them and chanting at them. Personally, I I didn't see that. Um, but, you know, I think from what I saw, they very quickly walked off. None of the walking around the pitch, applauding players and all that, applauding uh, the fans, rather. Um, this is what I mean. This is, for me, the disconnect. Now, I, I, I don't know, mate. I mean, I just feel that there isn't... I'm, I'm struggling to see a way forward. I mean, obviously, we're in January, um, and, you know, that's... I think we probably didn't want to really do much business in this window. But do you think, uh, I mean, we'll come back to transfers, but do you think our hand's going to be a little bit forced? Um, I'm not sure, really. I think uh, Ryan Shawcross said it on Radio Stoke the other day, one signing can change a whole season. If if we get someone who changes the sort of idea of the team and get get we get a leader in, then I think it could change. I, I don't think we're bad enough to go down. I think there is worse teams, but right now I struggle to see where we're going to get points, to be honest. Yeah, yeah, I, I, I struggle as well, mate. I mean, if I think about, um, and Dan's just joined us, so Dan, welcome to the pod, mate. Better, better late than never, but uh, we'll come back to you in a sec, mate. But I'm just thinking, I looked at a couple of um, bits online, as you do, and I think, you, I mean, Nick Hancock is a Stoke fan, obviously, that yeah. a lot of people know. When, um, he very rarely gets himself in the media, to be honest. I think he does his own podcast, but not not really Stoke-related. But one of the comments, and most of Stoke fans have seen this, in 53 years of going to watch Stoke, I've been ecstatic, depressed, angry, shocked, sad, elated, amused, entertained, bored, thrilled, heartbroken, cold, drunk, certainly cold in that bloody stadium, drunk, sober, confused, furious, and proud. Never, though, until now, completely unengaged. That well, is basically right from what a lot of people are feeling, don't you think? Yeah, I mean, it, it links in with the disconnect, really, um, because I don't, I, I don't think the fans, we can't really get on board sometimes. I mean, personally, um, past couple of weeks, I've sort of stopped, like, f- lost the excitement to go to the games. Um, yeah compared to like last season, the season before. So that that's that's a real negative for me. Yeah. No, I d I, I don't blame you, mate. And and Dan, um just we've just been discussing, mate, the you know, the, the supporters, the the audio we played at the beginning around, you know, you're not fit to wear the shirt. Um I'd say that people have gone to the, you know, the annoyed stage, the peed off stage, whatever it is. And I think there's an element and we may be actually starting to enter the phase of, I just don't care anymore. Um, do you think that that is, do you think that's fair? Or do you think there's a bit of overreaction going on? Or 
Um, yeah, it's it's a difficult one, isn't it? Uh, I think people are people are entitled to feel, I suppose, whichever way they want. Um, you know, pay your money, do what you want, kind of thing. Um, but I see we there's been a lot of success at this club that came out of nowhere, really, didn't it? It was a club mm. in the doldrums for what twenty plus years. It was twenty three years outside the top flight, definitely, and. A lot of that was, a lot of that time was spent with little hope of ever sort of getting back, and then within the space of about eighteen months, we all of a sudden went from again no real hope. Um, even when the you know, the coach family took over the club from the Icelanders in the mid two thousands, it wasn't immediately thought of that we would just be straight. You know, this is like a new beginning or a fantastic new dawn. It took a little bit of time. It and there was a few signings that were made. Sort of Lee Hendry sort of kicked it off, and within 18 months we're in the Premier League. Ten years in the Premier League, and everything was rosy. And then all of a sudden, we've now had six years really of negative, like sort of falling bit by bit. Yeah, and I think that's going to take its toll on anybody. Really, six continual years of like misery really <laughs> and well, it's been, been going backwards, so much, we? not even so much misery because there's been odd you know, there's been times in in that six years where there's been positive results or good performances things to lift you up but i think the 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 thing is like six years where we've underperformed in a row isn't it you've gone into a season you've gone through into games time and time again expecting something and they've not delivered and that might be because we are expecting more than the players are physically able to give and that might not be their problem like i know like people are people are booing say say people booing the the midfield like loose baker for not being glenn whelan of 10 years ago do you know what i mean and people are booing tyrese campbell because he's not peter ricardo fuller doing liam delat because he's not peter crouch is, is that fair? That that's is that fair? Do you know what I mean? Do, do we think these players aren't trying? People call them that. People say they're gutless, they're lazy. They're, they're I I don't see that. I just see that maybe they're in. It's at the minute, as a whole, the squad is probably an average championship squad. So they probably are Mate, where they need to be. <laughs> I, no, I, I I get you. I don't. I said to Sam just that I, I don't think it is the case that they don't care or or they're not trying. It's just the case that they're simply not good enough. And it makes me wonder, you know, obviously Michael O'Neill brought in, what, seven or eight of them. Um, and it makes you wonder whether there would have been a... And this kind of brings me actually to my next point. Would they have been good enough for a Michael O'Neill team? Because would he have played differently? Would those players all of a sudden be better than we're actually seeing now? Is it the case that Alex Neal's come in, needs to play in a certain way? And the fact is that those seven or eight players would never have been signed by Alex Neal because they weren't right for his type of system. You know, we look at a couple of records that people are going to throw out there and, you know what, I, I'm, I'm going to do it now. So, Carlos Corberan went to West Brom, um, bottom of the league, and they won eight out of nine games. I think now a point or something like that off uh, the playoffs. Uh, you've got Michael Carrick. He's won 22 points out of a possible 30 with Middlesbrough. Um, and that's the most for Middlesbrough since Brian Robson. So, there's two managers that have come in recent sackings and hit the ground running straight away so is it the case that it's down to a manager's ability to coach and get the best out of the players or is it the case that those teams where they've sacked managers 
they've actually got better players that they just weren't being coached properly by the previous manager. I mean, I'm not saying this is Alex Neil's fault because he's not had a window to do anything really, but are these players good enough? I mean, would they have maybe been better under Michael O'Neill? I guess it's a potential crystal ball scenario, I suppose. You could say, would they have been better under Nathan Jones? Would they have been better under Gary Rowith? Would they have been better under Marquis? All good managers, all proven good managers, but I mean, Mark Hughes was a good manager here, but the rest of them never really showed it, did they? Um, I think O'Neill... O'Neill's recruited for his style, his system, how he wanted to play. And like I say, now, we've said a few times that this club needed a bit of a direction, a bit of uh, identity and a structure that where a manager is more sort of like head coach style, where, you know, yeah. that's how things are done now. You know, this is the, the the person in charge of the first team at the club knows that when they are hired, they are hired to do this. They, they don't choose to do as much. Um, but in general, the players will be these style of players with these kind of attributes and they they are you know to be coached in this kind of way that you know, there is expectancy of a certain style, whatever that may be. The thing is, Alex Neal is again different to the previous manager. So are we going back to where the situation Michael O'Neill found himself in, where he had a squad made up from four or five different managers, all of different, completely differing styles, and he had to shoehorn them all into one eleven to make a competent football team. And it took him two years, didn't it? Ironically, till the summer where he was sacked four games later. <laughs> <laughs> to to actually get a squad where he got rid of all the players that didn't suit the way he wanted to play and he had the ones left that he did. So, so Alex, Alex Neal now, has he got the same situation? Has he got to wait for the contracts to run down over the next 18 months for people to leave the door? But the, 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 the real question is, and we won't know this initially, when Alex Neal leaves this club, are we going to be looking for Alex Neal Mark II or are we again going to be going the other end of the scale? Well, that opens up that question, and we're talking about structure, and Sam, keen to get your, your thoughts on this, mate, right? So, obviously, the owners, we've talked about them before, and I don't want to keep going ban- going down the route of, oh, we're lucky to have them, blah, blah, blah. People can make their own minds up about that. But Dan's got a fair point, Luke. If if he goes tomorrow, if Alex Neil decided to just hand his resignation in and go in a different direction, like... There is he's brought his own technical director in. You know, the the owners seem to give so much power to these managers to allow them to dictate how things are gonna be. Do you think as we are now in terms of the football world and how structures are, do you think that is the right thing to do to give manager that much power? Or should we have, like I say, a director of football who sets the sets the agenda, sets the uh the ethos, if you like, at the team, and, and and the manager has to work towards that. Which which do you think is the most effective? Um, well, I, be, I believe the owners or the board should should have an ideal direction that they want to take the club in. Um, but then I do agree with giving the manager a bit more freedom because again, having their having their own players does make a massive difference because because they, they want to work for him. Um, but no, I think. I think Alex Neil having his own technical director also helps because it it's in line with what he wants to do. So that has a direction, I guess. Um, 
but yeah, it's it's more in line with what suits the club going forward and what benefits them really. I mean, Dan, what kind of side of the fence you on, mate? I mean, I'm personally of the of the opinion, and I think we probably share the same opinion actually from previous conversations. But um, but for me, we do need that coach type style um, because we don't, as a club, have an identity. We really don't. We don't know what we're doing. What People are bang on about a five-year plan. Look, you're never going to get the Coates family to come out and say, this is what we're going to do over the next five years. They don't want the media attention. They don't want anything like that. So um, I'm assuming you probably wouldn't mind that technical director type setup. Yeah, I think there needs to be some sort of continuity. Uh, continuity. Continuity. Blech, get me words out of them. <laughs> um, that's what we need, isn't it? Where... There's, like I say, a manager, a manager, a head coach, whatever, when he leaves, a clone of him comes in. Do you know what I mean? Yes. Yeah. So somebody who knows, who is confident and capable of repeating that style or, you know, that with those kind of players, with those kind of attributes. And, yeah, I do think, like, like uh, someone was saying there, you know, the manager does need to have, you know, a certain degree of say in things. Not, um, don't mind that at all. There just needs to be a certain way of sort of a certain way of thinking and a certain way of moving together as one because I think we've flip flopped now for the last five years or so on managers and all it's left us with is constant firefighting from the next guy who comes in and yeah I mean I think you can label a lot of this a lot of the sort of financial stuff that um, the signings made by Gary Rowett. Of course, you give a manager who's sort of been at clubs where he's had um, not masses to spend. You give him an open checkbook, he's going to go out there and he and like a kid in the sweet shop, which you bit sort of was. <laughs> you know, you give him, you can sign as many players as you want on whatever contracts they want, um, and you go get the cream of the championship if you like. And then he did uh, on paper, but what it's done is that now means that. The, the squad we've got now, we've got loanees, young loanees as well. Because even loanees, you know, look at the kind of loans Tony Pugh's brought in, you know, Lee Hendry, Salif Jow, um, Andy Griffin, Patrick Berger. You know, they, were, they weren't young professionals, really. They were experienced pros. Yeah. But they aren't them kind of loans. You know, Harry Clark, Liam Delap, um, Will Smallbone, they're unproven players coming here to learn how to play professional football and so we've got young loanies we've got quite a lot of youngsters coming through that have come through our academy um and i think that all that's meant is um that basically we we as, as a support like say we are sort of looking back and thinking you know why are the players why aren't the players doing such such well we we've we haven't got a squad. We haven't splurged out a load of money on this squad. This squad's made up of people's cast-offs and kids trying to learn how to play the professional game. So as difficult as it is, I think we probably need to... You know, is it fair to expect them to be the same as experienced pros who are two, three hundred championship games in and know exactly what they're doing? Probably not. Is that easy to accept that? Probably not. So it's like we need patience and the manager probably needs patience and we need direction going forward. But I don't 
it's, it's not an easy thing to do, especially when it only takes one or two people start sort of booing and heckling. And if you are trying, you you know, if inside you want to do that, but you're trying to be patient, <laughs> it only needs a few people starting doing it for you to easily join in with it, isn't it? And by the same course, for the players, they're only going to get more and more disengaged with the fans if they're being cheered off the pitch. I mean, being booing them off is one thing, but cheering them off the pitch in a negative way, if you like, that's... I, 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 I don't see what it hopes to achieve. No. No, I, yeah. I get, I get you, mate. I, 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 know, I know where you're coming from. Um, I'm kind of indifferent on the whole thing, to be honest. I can't say. I mean... Totally understand people's frustrations, 100%. And uh, you know, I, as you sort of you sort of label me as sort of like the level-headed one, the you know, sort of two level-headed you are. And so, like I said, I fully understand everyone's frustration with it, and it is frustrating and it's painful. But I think it, it's sort of like trying. Don't we just got to try and accept where we're at right now? As it happens, I think. There's actually quite a bit of talent within this squad. I think the main thing they're lacking is leaders. Can't you know why we haven't got any leaders? We can't because leaders cost money. <laughs> that then we yeah. haven't got them. Well, we'll come on to transfers um, in a little bit, won't we? But um, moving <laughs> on to the actual game itself and a bit more kind of context, we won't labour too much on this because, frankly, there wasn't much to talk about. Um, again. Like I said, I don't think it was down to lack of effort per se. I do think it was down to a lack of quality. One thing that is really starting to pee me off, and I've said it last week, and I'm saying it again, long flipping ball. We need to flipping stop it. We are not a long ball team. If it's not Suter, it's bloody Morgan Fox now who's playing long balls, thinking he's bloody Charlie Adam. Um, So, you know, yeah, I, I I don't get it. I mean, for God's sake, when did we come up, become a long ball team? How has Alex Neal changed his, you know, philosophy overnight to be, all of a sudden become a long ball team? Um, I don't know if it's the players scared of making individual mistakes, so they're just kicking the ball long, um, or the morale's that low that they just can't get the head in the game. I mean, Sam, help me out here, mate. <laughs> I mean, did did you see? Do you understand the long ball? Because for me, mate, we just haven't got the players to play long ball, so I, I don't get it. Well, um, I, I don't think we do either, really, because we don't have a target man to really lump it up to, or we don't have a player that can hold it up, like big, strong person up front. I mean, Liam Delap is very strong, but again, they're never going to win headers against like the likes of Taylor Howard Bellis, who's young but very tall, and there's towers in this league at, at defence. So I think Stephen Fletcher um, was a target man. But again, you don't have the players to play long balls to. So what's the point? Because it just loses the ball at the end of the day. And then you're on the defence again. So Yeah, yeah, exactly. We're not, not like we're winning second balls. I mean, the, the I think the best we've actually done with long ball, funny enough, has actually been when Powell's come on. And for me, Powell isn't, he isn't your target man, is he? You know, for me, I'd rather give him the ball at his feet. Yes, he's good in the air, um, but 
he's actually been looked pretty decent. Again, Smallbone and Baker have been criticised in previous weeks. Um, I mean, did either of them do any better for you? I mean, me personally, I thought Smallbone actually wasn't as bad as previous. I thought he put himself um, around the pitch quite a lot. Uh, I wasn't really picking him out as being the problem against Preston. How, how did he do for you? Um, well, I, I, I thought he I thought he did all right. To be fair, um, I thought Smallbone was one of the players that was, you know, he didn't he didn't play incredibly, but he did put a shift in. Uh, there's a couple of times that he intercepted the ball. Um, but if I'm being completely honest, I wouldn't have Smallbone on the pitch just so he can play Baker a bit more forward. Because I don't think we have really much fight in the midfield. And uh, Stoke, Stoke aren't good at bullying teams. And we need to bully teams in this league to actually get somewhere. So, Yeah, and, and Dan, any positives from, from your side, mate, on the game? I mean, any... I don't know any standout players. I mentioned Powell, you know, coming on, getting involved and looking bright. But um, was there anyone else that really stood out for you in a, in a positive or negative way? Um, I mean, it's interesting how you <laughs> say about playing. <laughs> it's interesting how you say about playing long ball. Um, so like Jacob Brown and Tyrese Campbell, two players not sort of renowned for the aerial ability. Um, something that they would admit themselves and have done. Um, I actually think that the pair of them sort of tried. I mean, Brown just—he, I think he had one of those days, didn't he? That not, he, yeah, he looked sort of a bit like he wasn't in control of his legs at times. Like <laughs> um, on Saturday, he really, really struggled. Um, I think he probably just needs a run of games because he's been out, you know, out for a while. Um, again, I thought Campbell when they got the ball to him probably was the biggest threat that we had going forward in that first half should have buried at least one chance um as brown should have done as well at the end of the first half he should have you know burst the net shunty as well we should have been three or four up to half time and if we are it's a completely different game a completely different podcast and the fact <laughs> and i think that's probably what that probably is another reason why the fans were so sort of sort of angry in the second half it was like, it's happening again. Another game we should have won and we haven't finished chances. And now look what's happening. We're going to lose this. We can see a goal coming somewhere. Oh, there it is. Wonderful. <laughs> Speaking of goals, um, Jacob Brown, was that was that over the line? I mean, it, I saw your picture that you put out on, on the Facebook group and Twitter, mate. I know it doesn't really matter because they've got the bloody offside. For me, it wasn't offside. Um, but... I mean, people have been criticising Tyrese, saying he, he should have finished that. I think he was a bit off balance, actually, uh, at the time, uh, um, even though the fact there was no one around him, unfortunately. But either way, for you, was was that a goal for you? <laughs> it's a bit probably hard to tell from the angle we had, probably. Well, when I first saw it, I thought, definitely a goal. It's weird. And then I watched the replay, and I'm like, I saw the replay later on, and I'm like, you know what? I, I think that's pretty inconclusive. And obviously, I, I don't know the line that could have given it or you know, may have given it, may not have given it. The fact you give offside is like, I mean, he's not even, I don't even think he's close to being offside, really. Like, not, it's, there's no sort of clear offside, definitely. Just, I think, um, Timon being, I think, in the linesman's eyesight on the far side of the pitch, looking, as far as the referee's, well, the referee, the linesman's looking across. 
And obviously Tymon would be, yes, way offside, but obviously he's not involved in play. Um, and mm-hmm. I just wonder whether that's maybe he's just seen red and white and maybe that's just a gut reaction that, that he's done. I mean, don't, don't worry, in, in real time, it's difficult for these for the liners, isn't it? I mean, it was probably level, but it's a, it is a difficult decision to make, and uh, you know, in the in the immediate moments, um, I don't think many people were arguing about uh, the being called for offside at the time. I mean, I watched uh, what's his name and Andy Blinson's um, pod uh, that he did, not not pod, sorry, his uh, YouTube video, and he, he shows that kind of bit there where, where it happens. No one's booing, no one's moaning. They just accepted it. So a lot of people thought it was I offside. I think people were confused. I think people were confused at the time right? as to what, what he'd be. Has he not going to the line? What, what's he given? Is he... <laughs> um, I think with Campbell as well, he was on his right foot once, which isn't his natural foot to finish with. Like if he's going to, you know, if he's going to like absolutely leathery, to think on his left foot, he may have been more inclined to just put his foot through it. He was probably just trying to hit the target more with his right one to. It should be, mate. I mean, I, I know we've we've got a lot of love for Tyrese, but like a professional footballer should be able to finish with his left or right foot. That's for yeah, me. Striker. From from a eight, eight yards striker. out, striker, you should be able to finish with your backside if you need to. Like, you can't really excuse that too much. I just seem to remember the video where he looked a little bit off balance. That's the only kind of thing I'd give him, but I'd have to watch it back again. Um, anyway, uh, I think we've kind of covered the, what minimal positives <laughs> there was out of that game. Um, I noticed that you put a man of the match poll out, which was very brave of you. Uh, we had some comments. I think uh, John Oldfield thought that uh, Clark and Campbell uh, got some unfair stick compared to some of the others. Um, but yeah, uh, do you have the results of the man of the match poll? I do. So um, we had joint second place with 4% of the votes. <laughs> Suter and Jack Bonham. And winning the poll with a massive 14% was Harry Clark. Now, you may think to yourself, hang on, if second place has got 4% and the winner's got 14 where's the rest of it? It doesn't really add up, you know, if you're trying to get to, obviously, it's got to get 200%. Well, Chris Evans said hippo, and that got huh. 2%. Um, absolutely no one was said by Mike Connolly, that got 9%. And then somebody put every fan who suffered it, and that got 57% of the vote. Now, do you have <laughs> any idea who put that and got 57% of the vote? It wouldn't have been me, would it? It was you sabotaging <laughs> my man of the match poll. <laughs> Sorry about that, mate. But, yeah, I mean, Christ. I know people were talking about that boot earlier, but, you know, fair play to everybody who went. Uh, they... They deserve better, um, and we had a lot of um, we had a lot of comments on on your man of the match poll as well, didn't we? I don't, but I've got, I've got them to hand here, so I'll read a couple of them out just to save you the hassle. But um, Tom Maller said, "No one deserves to have the accolade of best in show. We're awful. If this carries on, we'll get relegated, and then I think we'll be screwed for real." Um, Luke Huxley says, "Painful to watch today. Again, something needs to change." Um, Anthony Hall, absolutely disgraceful. We couldn't score in a room full of naked <laughs> in the act. Brilliant. Um, <laughs> we win no second ball and are looking void of any ideas at times. We watch teams pick passes to free men in midfield. We never got a spare man in midfield at all. We've managed once again to lose a team. That we've once again managed to lose to a team we are better than and should comfortably beat. Hard to swallow today's defeat was. It's getting harder to watch at home. 
And then, uh, yeah, we've got a couple of others. Uh, Steve Turnbull, zero fight, unacceptable, not fit to wear the shirt. So it's safe to say that Steve was one of the uh, one of the chants. Well, he was involved in the chants, rather. Um, so, yeah, I think basically what we're trying to get is people are not happy. Um, yeah, I think we've done everyone to death. I think everyone's um, really lost the world to live. Um, but if you can cope, I think we should move very quickly on to... Um, Kind of news and oh, oh hello, what we got? What we got? Before we do, I'll just give you the player of the season standards, just because. Okay. I did put out on Twitter asking people, just um, obviously the FA Cup week, so there's a bit of a gap in the league and that. Who is their top five players this season? So I'll ask you two guys. Who, obviously, we run man the match polls, and um, the winner gets sort of twenty five points, second gets eighteen, fifteen for third, so on and so on. Um, and then they're all collated, added up over the season to give our player of the season at the end. Mm-hmm. With that in mind, who do you think are the top five players in our standings right now? Okay, so, so I think Harry season? Harry Clark will be up there because I think of his general form overall. So Clark's got to be on there, I would imagine. Um, Susan wouldn't be. Juggy Alka, potentially. Um Hyman, ooh, maybe Baker, and then Tyrese. I'm, I don't. I think I bet Mab just before, but I'm struggling. If I'm honest. Um, Sam, who do you think who, who would be your five? Um, I'd have to say Harry Clark is definitely up there, um, because he's the only player. Well, he's not the only player. He's He's relatively consistent. Um, I think an outsider uh, might be Wilmot and Jordan Thompson. Wow, Wilmot, good shout. Yeah. Um, yeah, obviously, Wilmot's definitely improved since last season. I think he's um, he goes a bit under the radar sometimes when people think about our defending. Um, Baker, from the start of the season, not really the second half, kind of. Um Tyrese again, he's just probably our most dangerous player. So, either of those really. Okay, so I'll just tell you that Tyrese Campbell, I'll just get it on here now because he's not on the top five. He's in 10th place, Campbell is. So, in fifth place, Morgan Fox with 222 points. Okay, yeah, fair enough. Phil Jagielka is in fourth with 242. Harry Clark is third with 255, including two minor matches in the last two weeks. Tariq Fosu is second with 261, where bear in mind he was a god-awful right wing-back for the first half of the season so far. He's barely <laughs> played since, you know, been dropped <laughs> for the last five games. It says how bad the rest of them have been. Jeez. And first place with a massive 83-point lead, 344 points, Ben Wilmot. Yeah, good shout on Wilmot. I should have had the teams in front of me just to remind myself. But uh, yeah, Wilmot actually has been pretty solid, hasn't he? Mm-hmm. So. Yeah, we've got Brown in 14th, Time in 11th. I suppose they're both sort of injury. It's not them down, aren't they? Um, a man coming right up on the rails, already up to 145 points is Harry Suter. <laughs> didn't take him long did it 
Although yeah. I'll be honest, mate, and say that I think the last couple of games is is not been very good. So that straight away, he's probably still settling back into championship pace and stuff like that. So no, no major criticism. Um, but yeah, I just hope the scouts weren't watching the last couple of matches. That's all. Um, cool. Anything else you want to throw in there before we move on? No, we can move on. Good, lovely. Well, um, yeah, again, not been much kind of news as such, but I mean, it'd be a miss for us not to say that obviously, uh, Mr. Stoke City, in some respects, uh, when it comes to radio, Nigel Johnson is obviously going to be retiring at the end of the season. Um, Dan, I don't know about you in terms of like growing up, obviously, three days of streaming games, you know, which is obviously dead easy now. Uh, but growing up, I remember as a kid, you know, teenager and, and whatnot, listening to Radio Stoke in the front room, playing on the PlayStation 1, PlayStation 2, uh, you know, playing FIFA and stuff on there and, and listening to Nigel Johnson on, on Radio Stoke. Um Clearly, he thinks it's time to move on. I wish he was probably going out with a, a bit of a be- better season to maybe comment on. But I think the words heads go up and red and white stockings will live in um, my brain for a long for a long time yet. Yeah. Um, th- I assume you probably did the same thing in terms of listening to Radio Stoke back in the day. Yeah, it's funny you should mention the, red and, uh, the uh, heads go up as well. Because I remember obviously listening to that from a child and not even thinking that was anything anything but normal <laughs> like a normal comment and then it was only sort of a few years ago somebody pointed out like the heads go up as in like the body's there but the head's gone up on its own i was like you know what yeah no other commentator i've ever heard has has said that jerry it's like unique to nigel it and um it was just become like normal because it, because obviously he was the one I'd listen, I'd listen to uh, most weeks. So like growing up, I'd have I'd go to from say like ninety five onwards when I was like eight years old. I'd start going to games. Um, I'd probably go to every other home game. Wouldn't go to away games. And then towards like nine, 98, 99, started going season ticket. Um, and then like the odd away game. But any game that we played that I wasn't there, I would be listening to Radio Stoke. And like I say, Nigel Johnson was the man, you know, you would listen to. Um you you quite his voice you'd know. And he, he described just described the games, you know, so well, especially during during your youth and that it made you feel I always say with radio commentary, sometimes I prefer to listen to a game on radio than watch it on TV. Because you can pay if you've got a good radio commentator, you you can paint your own picture in your head about yeah. what's going on. Do you know yeah, what I mean? ab- absolutely. Got, and and you know you don't need to see the picture and have, um, and then watch it yourself. You can sort of make your imagination can make that appear how you want it to. And yeah, that I um I thought he was really very talented at what he did. Plus. He is the head teacher at the school that was right like three doors down from where my nan lived. <laughs> so so uh, yeah, that was an added um, thingy. I did I did actually try, you know. Um it must have been about uh oof, it was teenagers, so it would have been about 17, 18 years ago. Uh, I did actually campaign for him to get an MBE on the basis of his sort of services to local football and then obviously being the head teacher and doing that. And I think at that point he made a big deal about the fact he'd he'd done so many thousand games 
commentating, and that was like say nearly two decades ago. Um, so that might be something I need to re to go back to. Well, there we go then. So you just announced uh, that you're going to be promoting his MBE. We're going to send well, links out, and we're, last we're going to last time the Sentinel came round to the hat, came to my house, and took pictures of me holding cardboard MBEs up and run a story. Oh, mate, we need that picture. <laughs> Please dig that picture out so we can hit you around the head with it every right, time. I haven't got it. Uh, oh yeah, that's convenient. Has. I know somebody was. <laughs> there you go. Well, we want it anyway. Yeah. So, mate, what? Why not? Uh, you know, there's there's been people uh, certainly less deserving than Nigel got that to be honest. So, yeah, brilliant. No, obviously, all the best to, to Nigel. Maybe he'll make an appearance at some point. Not sure who will take over um, on that. Whether there'll be anything dramatic. Maybe I don't know. Angela will get more time. Uh, don't know how it's going to be. Um, I think they've sort of gone to a more spread out way of doing it anyway. I mean, there's like sort of yeah. three or four in there now that rather than obviously when we were listening growing up, there would just be the two voices, wouldn't they? The whole game. Yeah. That they sort of spread it. Whether that is because Nigel in sort of advancing years, whether they you know didn't want him to feel he had to do a full game. I don't know whether that was the case. Yeah. Not sure, mate, but you're right. We've got Shawcross on, you know, maybe Liam Lawrence, the next one, and you know, Clive Clark, the next. There's, there's a bit of a mix, but um, yeah. Anyway, good luck to Nigel, anyway. Um, transfer window, I mean, Chris, it's, it's that time. Obviously, you know, the, the window is, is very much open, and uh, we ran a poll on Twitter asking what position needed most attention. Now, I'm not going to lie, this actually took me by surprise. Um, so it was up for around 24 hours, and there was 520 people, I think, who actually <laughs> voted in it, which is not bad for 24 hours. Um, so the options, obviously, were keeper, defence, midfielder, or striker. Now, <laughs> what was interesting for me is 64% of people wanted the goalkeeper. They thought that was the main position. You've then got 18% for midfield, 13% for striker. Um Funny enough, defence was only 5%. I did not expect that. I mean, yes, we need a goalkeeper, but I wouldn't necessarily say, looking back over all the games, that the goalkeeper's been the absolute Achilles heel and dropping balls into his own net. So, I I, I don't know, Sam, are you surprised it's only 5% for defence, considering we've been leaking goals left, right and centre? Yeah, Um, but I do believe that main priority is probably goalkeeper, but once you've done that, I would go straight to defence because there is a lot of defensive problems right now. So I'm I'm a bit shocked that no one really believes that. But then again, goalkeeper does take priority right now. So so are we assuming then that Joe Bursic's days are numbered? Um, well, I don't think he's finished at the club. I w- I would send him out on loan personally, maybe to um higher up league one side or some someone like that just to give him experience and confidence because I think that's what Joe um not lacks but sometimes he just doesn't seem confident enough and when he's confident he's a good keeper. So but yeah, I've still got Frankie Fielding as well which as the guy even gets the ball in anger for Stoke I, I don't think so. So whether that's a player that we have to rip up a contract in and you mentioned about Joe going out on loan. I think the only problem with that is we're then even weaker <laughs> in goal, which is unless you bring in two goalkeepers, then I think that's probably not not the way I would go personally. Um, I mean, any particular goalkeepers come to mind? I'm really putting you on the spot here, so 
any any keepers come to mind who you think may be available? Well, there's there's obviously Iverson, which has been very strongly linked. Um, but apart from that, I'm not really sure who's available or who really stands out to me. Wow. Um, <laughs> I was I was think I was thinking about um, he probably won't come to us at all. But Carl Darlow, maybe if we look into some sort of loan move. I mean, he's been pushed out the side completely. Um, but someone someone who's like a solid keeper who commands, basically. I think that's what well, we need. If only we had someone who lived and breathed stats and constant looking at stuff. Um, Dan, would you like to give us some options, mate? Because uh, <laughs> I know you've certainly been very busy uh, in the last couple of days. So, I um, the goalkeeping options at the club, we've got Joe Bursic, who has currently played 1,440 minutes this season for Stoke, and Jack Bonham, who's played 900. Then we've got Frank Fielding, Zero and obviously Tommy Simkin, young 17 year old goalkeeper, very highly rated. Uh, he's been out on loan earlier on in the season, but he's yet obviously yet to play for Stoke. And then you've got the other, you've got Tommy Jackson, who's the under 21 keeper, and Blondie, who's been out on loan. Yeah, I don't think you're going to be throwing Jackson, Simkin, or Blondie into this kind of situation, are they, that we're in now? No. What would would you send Sim? Would you send them out on loan? Any of them? Um, I mean, I'd probably send Simkin out on loan. I think Blondie is. It's gonna be too harsh here. He struggled every time he's gone out on loan. He's barely played. So for me, he just needs releasing. Um, I don't don't think he's gonna be up to scratch, mate. He's a, he's been here for a while and he doesn't seem to be advancing. He's always game of play. So I'd say I'd send Simkin out on loan. Fielding, I'd rip his contract up. Yeah, and then Jackson can continue with the under twenty ones. Yeah, um, and then obviously maybe get him out on loan next season. Uh, fielding, happy to have him. It's, I suppose the third choice keeper, and it's an experienced player. He's not sort of there to do anything, but maybe, you know, maybe teach Bertie can bond him a few things and help with the coaching side as much as anything. And he is, um as a third choice, like an, you know, an older third choice keeper. He'd only be expected to come, you know, play in emergencies. But yeah, if. If you are going to get base scout on loan, then you're probably going to have Bonham as your number two, and these are your potential options. So what I've done, I've gone through the Premier League squads, and these are goalkeepers who have played less than 300 minutes and are sort of not, you know, young like youngsters, whatever. So they are experienced professionals who have played less than 300 minutes this season. So you've got Jed Steer at Villa, yet to play a minute. Luke Steele at Brighton. He's only played three games this season. Matteo Bettinelli, former England goalkeeper. You know, one cap, but still. Um, he's at Fulham, yet to play a minute. Alex McCarthy at Southampton. He's played 210 minutes this season. Carl Darlow, just been mentioned. Uh, Jack Butland is on this list, but it appears that he's off to Old Trafford <laughs> um, since I did this yesterday. I well, don't think said, he'd want to come back to Stoke instead. Potentially, you know, who <laughs> wants to play in the Champions League? Yeah. Um, Asmir Begovic, 270 minutes for Everton. Could he yes, fancy please. at this stage? Does he want more football? Uh, Mark Gillespie is another keeper at Newcastle, no minutes. Uh, Scott Carson at Man City, no zero minutes. Uh, Paolo Gazaniga at Fulham, zero minutes this season. And then last on my list, Daniel Everson at Leicester, 180 minutes. 
Yeah, I mean, the, the last one, mate, I think has been on the cards for months. So I would be shocked if Daniel Leverson isn't a Stoke player by, by the end of this window. Absolutely flabbergasted if that doesn't happen. But I mean, the I names think that he was initially, as soon as Alex Neal came through the door, I think he looked at the goalkeepers and said, I want Daniel Everson. He worked with him at Preston. Worked with him at Preston, didn't he? And I think he wanted to bring him in straight away. I think if he could have got the deal done on deadline day um, in the summer, he would have done. Yeah. I, I, if I look at other players, let's just say that one falls through. Let's just play Bill Devers Advocate. I don't think it will, but if it does, then couple of names there, mate. I wouldn't be averse, certainly not averse to having Asmir Begovic back. Um, I think he's still a solid goalkeeper. He's experienced. A bit of experience at the back isn't going to do any harm at all. Even Scott Carson. Uh, you know, again, if it's a cheap backup player, um, Carl Darlow, like you mentioned, there's, there's, there's a few people there, I think, are more than capable. Whether they'd be interested in coming here is another thing. But, you know, Best still... goalkeeper. Not seen much of him, if I'm honest with you, so I can't really comment on that one. He was at Fulham um, for a long time. I think he's um, sort of at Chelsea and that, so not really going to get a game there. Okay, well, mate, we've, we've got some choices, but yeah, I think Everson will, will definitely be coming in. Um, and, you know, Sam, he didn't just do goalkeepers, mate. He was looking across everything. So, and what, what about midfield? Because we've been talking about a very, um, I don't know, invisible centre midfield space, mate. Yeah, so uh, midfield options at the club. Again, obviously, we've got Lewis Baker um, in order of minutes played. Lewis Baker, Will Smallbone, um, Jordan Thompson, Josh Loran, uh, Nick Powell, Sam Klukas, who's out injured at the minute, uh, Gavin Kilkenny. Um, midfielder, young midfielders around the squad. He is still very young. I think he's 16, maybe, maybe just turned 17, is Will Smith. Uh, but he really is catching the eye with the under 18s and under 21s now as well. He's sort of flying through the through the ranks. He's gone from under 16s to under 18s to 21s, and is sort of you know dictating games in the midfield. There looks like he's got a very bright future. Probably like I say a little bit too young for right now. Could be somebody who send out on loan if you know, once he's turned 17 when that is. With a shot mate again, it, it's. We need, we, he needs experience. He's not going to get anywhere near this team again at the minute, despite the midfield being rubbish. You know, and he's still not close enough for that. So yeah, and I'd you know I'd send with him, kill Kenny and Klukas, get rid of them. So if somebody will take, Klukas, I mean, the thing is, if they will, <laughs> if they will, he's just had an operation anti Klukas, I believe. So um, he's probably not probably going to struggle to find somebody to take him currently. Um, so we're keeping definitely keeping Thompson, Loren, Baker, Powell. Uh, oh no, Powell needs to go at the, end, at the end of this contract. So you give him to the end of the season, and then if somebody yeah. came for him now, would you would you let him go? Um, if we can get a replacement, sure. But we've got very little in that centre attacking midfield spot. Um, what um, we have so... got is Will Smallbone. Is he staying or is he is he going? <laughs> I'm assuming you're not putting him in the centre attacking midfield position. Um, I don't like it. I don't think he offers enough. I really don't. So, I mean, again, if it's a matter of freeing up a loan space to get, you know, some of the names that you showed me the other day, which we'll go into, um, send him back. And it's easy for us to say send him back, but obviously they've got to agree the deal. Do the club want him back, etc. But... If we take that condition out, then then yes, yeah, send him back. 
Okay, so that leaves you with Thompson, Powell, Loren, and Baker as your midfielders. So you're probably going to need a couple, aren't you? Yeah. If that's the case. So here we go. <laughs> um, again, same criteria. So Rothwell at Bournemouth, 110 minutes he's played. Uh, it's getting, getting on a bit, but James McArthur is yet to play for Crystal Palace this season. Uh, Will Hughes has only played 272 minutes for Palace. Uh, Decore at Everton, 270 minutes. Sounds a bit out of reach, but you never, like, you know, you you, you see occasionally um, players like just dropping down, sort of, you know, like I say, look at the loanies that we got in years gone by. Uh, Josh Anamar at Fulham, only 13 minutes of action this season. Uh, Adam Forshaw at Leeds, 247 minutes. Uh, how about John Joe Shelby, 122 minutes okay. for Newcastle? We wanted him a few years ago, didn't we? We did. Um, and then you've got Jack Colbach at Forest, 174, and the man yet to play a minute this season, Harry Arter. Another player who we wanted um, as well in 2019, or Mark Hughes wanted him anyway. Um, uh, there's one more addition to this list. He has played over the over the minutes that there was set out in the criteria, but Ben Pearson. I would love to have down here. I think he is exactly the kind of midfielder we need. Someone who's just going to go go around charging around and booting people around. What we miss. Um, Sam, what what players in there again, mate? Do you think are realistic? Would you have the likes of of Harry Arter and you know John Joe Shelby and people like that, or do you think they they're out of our reach? Well, um, I think Harry Arter. He's he's a bit old now. I think he I think he might have gone on loan. To, was it Notts County or someone? Uh, he didn't even do very well there. Um, there's a there's a few on there. Maybe. Um, was it was it MacArthur on there? Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. I, I would I would take him, but he, he's a bit old. But again, experience, and he could talk a lot of the younger players through the game. Um, but yeah, I'm not really sure, to be honest. There's not a great deal going there, is there, in the in the midfield positions? There's no Will, one who's going to... Will Hughes would be a good addition if you can get him. There's no one that really excites you, though, is there, really? Uh, not that we think we're probably going to get, but... Yeah, well, clearly if we're getting rid of, you know, Kilkenny and Klukas, um, I mean, I know we kind of probably would put these people into the right wing or, or left wing, but, you know, Tomasio Wright Phillips, for example... Weirdly, has been phased out of the club. I don't quite know why. I know there's been a few niggling injuries with him, um, but definitely doesn't seem to be on on Alex Neal's radar. Which for somebody who could play, you know, left wing or right wing potentially could do could do a job. Surprises me because um, again, he's one of the potential people you could turn into a winger, which is what he's been banging on about. So like Josh Onomar at Fulham. Not really. I mean, mm, I've not seen much of him. Yeah, see, I think he's a decent, decent enough player. Um, they played twenty times for Fulham last uh, last season, and they didn't do bad in this league last year, did they? <laughs> no. Um, so so yeah, he... m- moving on uh, quickly, just so we don't spend too much more time on this. So, just in terms of like obviously wings positions, I know it was a bit difficult by the looks of it, Dan, to see much out there on the wings, but if we cover left wing and right wing positions, I think you mentioned um, 
Uh, we've mentioned we haven't really got any wingers in the club. Could, could any, anyone are missing other than Wright Phillips, who's an out-and-out winger? I mean, Fosu, I guess, is... Um, is yeah, the... I mean, I just sort of bundled everybody into forwards because I think a lot of them are sort of interchangeable, aren't they, across the yeah. front? They can sort of play anywhere. So, uh, minutes-wise, it's really close with the, the, the forwards. Uh, Brown's played the most this season, which actually surprised me. I didn't realise he'd played as much as he did. <laughs> mm. um, then Gale... Then Campbell, then Delap, and I'd have thought Delap probably played more than any of them. But yeah, minutes wise, then Delap, then Fosu, uh, and then miles and miles back is uh, Dimaggio. There is three very very talented again young got young lads coming through very talented very high ups. Obviously we've got Tez, Emre Tezgel, Nathan Lowe, Jack Griffiths, all seventeen, so all you know of a risk to shock any of them in into a team that's struggling yeah um what would you do with those three blowing them out again mate 100 yeah get them, get some action whatever level it is national league league two whatever to get them out scoring some goals and learning learning the game um so yeah so wing options sakiri dembele at bournemouth obviously the only sign in the summer from uh peterborough i believe only played 92 minutes. Um, so he's not really, like I say, getting much game time. Um, Sergi Canos at Brentford, maybe he wants, obviously he signed for them you know, a few years ago um, when they were sort of championship level, didn't he? 72 minutes he's played this year. Um, Mark Albrighton at Leicester, only 139 minutes. Um, don't think Leicester got the biggest of squads, so that might be a difficult low move. Um how about Matt Ritchie at Newcastle? 92 minutes this year. Obviously, another one who's been linked with Stoke previous. Um, it feels like Matt Ritchie must be about 65 by now. It feels like he's been around for years, that guy. <laughs> I think he's 33. Right, OK. Um, as for like, strikers, now, obviously, if we're, going to consi- if we're going to insist on playing long ball, then how about Salomon Rondon? From Everton, 194 <laughs> minutes. Proven championship striker. Proven Premier League striker, you could you could say, in his, in his pomp. Um, could we roll out, you know, get six months out of him? just to, Even if he's just a big lump that, that we can get, you know, Campbell and Brown playing off. Maybe, maybe. Um, and the other one, who we're very good for getting now, not even for his sign this player in the summer, and apparently they've made him available for transfer. Uh, Emmanuel Dennis. Now, obviously, he did a lot at um, a lot at Watford in the Premier League last year, but his stock has plummeted since then, hasn't he? If it's the case, if he's available, is it, obviously I imagine it's worth asking. They're probably going to be suitors, but not as many as he had. I mean, I think he thought he'd walk back in the Premier League last year, didn't he? And yeah, you know, it was only Forrest who came in for him at, at the uh, end of the transfer window. Otherwise, he would have been still at Watford now. I think one. I mean, the only the only position I didn't look at was left back or left back slash left wing back because I thought, you know, I'm quite happy with Josh Time in there. Yeah, <laughs> if, yeah. If, if there's any position in the team we don't need to be looking at right now, it's probably there. Um, but the right back slash right wing back, I think, is a position, and. If you're looking in the Premier League at who might who's not getting a game who might be available, it there ain't much going. <laughs> um, 
players out of the team, uh, there's really it's just Jed Spence at Tottenham, who's only played 28 minutes of football. Even though Tottenham have got masses and masses of competitions they're playing in, in games left, right and centre, he's managed a total of you know, not even half an hour for Spurs. So, obviously, he did really well for Forrest in the Championship last year, didn't he? Could he, could he, if he's available, Stoke should at least be inquiring, shouldn't they? Because he, he sort of was one of the players who transformed the Forest side last year from that relegation threatened side to one that eventually went up in the playoffs. So, Dan, um, moving on, mate. Under 18s, under 21s, women's, has there been much movement on that front this week? Well, mate, FA Cup football galore this week. <laughs> <laughs> so, the women, third time lucky, let's hope it is. They're aiming to go up to Leeds. Now, obviously, twice postponed in December due to a frozen pitch. Um, but 2pm on Sunday, Leeds away, FA Cup. Winner plays Arsenal away in the next round. Three. So let's, you know, that, that's what we're going for, mate. <laughs> um, fingers crossed the girls get the job done. Um, best of luck to them. And like, like I say, let's hope they you know, get through and get that plum tie away at Arsenal. What an experience that would be for them. Um, also with the women, the last two staffs Challenge Cup quarterfinals are played on Sunday as well. So obviously we are already through to the semi-final, defending um, the cup, you know, the cup that we've won many times in recent years. And um, we'll probably we'll obviously find out our semi-final opponents after those quarterfinals have been concluded. Uh, the under 18s are also in FA uh, Cup action this week, so they take on Man United at the Bet 365 Stadium on Wednesday. In round four of the FA Youth Cup, 7 pm kickoff there. Um, so that should be a cracking game. One that we, uh, I believe, I've made sure I'm not at work. I'm going to aim to get down there and watch that game. I think it should be a cracking, you know, cracking match to watch. Um, but before that, they are actually in action again on Saturday. So they return from their Christmas break uh, with a home game against Derby. So yeah, anybody who wants to watch us play Derby, 11 am on Saturday, Clayton Wood, uh, the under 18s. Um, so that's uh, say good um, good match there. Anyone wants to take in there? A couple of matches there in the under-18s. And the under-21s, they also come back uh, from their winter break away at Norwich, which is a bit of a difference to a home tie against Derby, is a trip to Norwich. <laughs> <laughs> um, and that's actually 7pm on Friday night. So depending on how, how soon you listen to this podcast when it's released, the game may or may not have been played. Uh, what that does probably show us, though, is who's going to be involved on Sunday. Okay, lovely. Well, let, let's look ahead to Hartlepool this weekend. And there it is. That's as good as it gets on this stage. Nissan Townstar EV strikes again. It's an unstoppable van. Unstoppable! No, just fantastic. You can actually see the ProPilot technology in action. Effortless parallel parking. It moves with all the confidence that comes with a five-year warranty. And with a bench full of all-star van experts, there's real strength in depth here. That's all-star quality. Search Nissan Townstar EV and visit your local all-star van centre to see for yourself. Terms and conditions apply. Five years or 100,000 miles, whichever comes first. ProPilot is an advanced driver assist technology. Driver's responsibility to stay alert, drive safely and control vehicle at all times. Picture the scene. All of your mates around, you've got your McNugget share boxes ready to go. Partner this with your team playing champagne football. Perfect. Order McDelivery now on the McDonald's app. 
there's nothing quite like a McDelivery. At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Hi, this is Lou Roberts. This is Tyrese Campbell. And you're listening to the Every Step Along The Way podcast. Dan, um, I appreciate there's not really any major stats you could probably throw at us about Stoke versus Hartlepool, mate. Um, with, with all the best intentions in the world, it's probably, you know, we haven't played them since 1925 or something stupid like that. So um, have you done much sleuthing in terms of our cup record by any chance, though? So we have actually played Hartlepool eight times in our history. Five wins, one draw, two defeats. Um Away from home, we have played them four times. One, two, drew one, lost one. Um, however, <laughs> every every team we play seems to come with a however on these positive records, <laughs> don't they? Um, we only have one win in our previous four games. So we've played them eight times. We've won five of them, but only one win in the last four. <laughs> Um, in a record that dates back to 1991 anyway and we have lost the last two um, which was in April 1993 we lost 1-0 at home in a league game and in 2009 uh, we lost in the third round of the FA Cup away at Hartlepool 2-0 okay we were were a Premier League club then as well (laughs) Um, so yes now, other stats. Hartlepool got to round three, beating Solihull Moors in, on penalties in round one, and then a 3-1 home win over Harrogate in round two. So, um, yeah, so that's their route to round three. Josh Umarar has three in three this season in the FA Cup and 11 in total uh, over the course of this season. They currently sit 22nd in League Two. Uh, which is three and five points above the bottom two, which is Rochdale and Gillingham, respectively. Uh, Both have a game in hand. And Rochdale, in fact, are at home to Newport on Saturday. So if they win that game, um, then Hartlepool will be back in the relegation zone by the time we kick off on Sunday. Um, They have two home wins in the two this season from 12 games. Could it always as bad as us? Yeah. And they reached round four last season before losing 2-0 away at Crystal Palace, who then knocked out Stoke 2-1 at Salahis Park in round five. Um, Stoke's FA Cup record. This is our 350th FA Cup match. So, in the previous 349, we have won 129, drew 90 and lost 130. (laughs) Which, if you were to work that out, that's pretty bad because that means that we average one win in the FA Cup. <laughs> we get through yeah. one round a year. Um, however, four uh, we've lost four of the last five um, away ties. So that was Brentford, Coventry and twice at Crystal Palace. Um, and last season, we got to round five, which ended a run of five consecutive round three losses. Yeah, not a great record. <laughs> no, not at all. We seem to have got all them wins together in that one run we had back in 2011. And I think we're pretty abysmal in the Carling Cup as well, aren't we? Like Our record, I think, against teams in lower divisions is pretty appalling. I mean, we everyone thinks, oh, it's going to be an easy walkover. And to be honest, it never seems to, to go that way. There always seem to be really tight, tight games. Mm. Uh, re- 
regardless. So mm. I remember being at Tamworth in 2005. Um, it were like, you know, tight, well, in all due respect, a tiny non-league club. And we went there and obviously drew, in the, drew it to our place, nil-nil. <laughs> and then had to go and play them away. And they took us all the way to penalty. We were back to beat them eventually, but on penalties. And mad. <laughs> yeah, we don't want to send us to penalties. I mean, we were dreadful last year on them. Um, uh, would you like some ref stuff? I was literally about to ask you if we have the ref and if it's anyone we've ever heard of. Uh, ben Toner. Nope, never heard of him. <laughs> First ever FA Cup game. He's ref 90 pro games, only four in the championship, so the most have been like League One and League Two. He's produced in those 90 games 279 yellows, nine reds, and given 21 penalties. He has refed Hartlepool three times. He's given them two yellows, no reds, no penalties. Um, in the two games he has refed them, though, quite good for us. So he refed them in a 5 0 home defeat to Stockport just four weeks ago. Jesus, but he's stopped all of all teams. Okay. Yeah. And he also refed them in a 2 0 home defeat to Colchester in May. Uh, he's never ref Stoke. However, one other positive, I do like this referee. He's ref Vale three times, five yellows. He's given him a red card and give two penalties against them. <laughs> like, it sounds like a good ref, this one. <laughs> you know, it stuff. does, but it could also mean that he doesn't like Midlands clubs or Pottery's yeah. teams. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, you never know. Okay, well, it sounds like a decent slash steady Eddie. Hopefully, he won't be trying to make a name for himself. Let's face it, it's only Hollypool Stoke, isn't it? Um, all right, lovely. Cheers, what mate. Do you mean only Hollypool Stoke. This game's had to be moved to a Sunday for all the international audience, Michael. Oh, God, I remember that. It's embarrassing, then, isn't it? <laughs> um, yeah, and actually, I think the, we've we've obviously had some, some audio in from the Hartlepool camp, haven't we? You've been uh, mega sleuthing again um, on that side. Down. So. Yeah, no, we never, never, we never let people down on this pod, mate. We we have audio from all different podcasts and media outlets from various different places for every random club in the, in the actual division in the UK, I think. So, um, yeah, we'll listen to obviously see what he had to say, and also backed straight up by Mr. Graham McGarry's prediction. Um, he's always quite positive, which is always a bad sign. Uh, so let's uh, have a quick listen to what both of these had to say. Well, I mean, where do we start with how the season's going? It's been tough. It's been really tough to watch. And we have fallen so far from where we found ourselves under Dave Chaloner just over a year and three months, more or less, ago. Currently sitting in 22nd in League Two, um, having played 24 games and only won four of them. Um, just above Rochdale by three points and Gillingham five points but they both have a game in hand so if you ask how the season's going it's been an absolute disaster and we're just really lacking any consistency at all. In terms of our players to watch out for I mean probably the two standouts would be Callum Cook in midfield really creative starting to come into some real good form at the minute score an absolute cracker at Rochdale free kick to win um, the game 2-1 on Boxing Day and Josh Hummer has been a player who's contributed a lot and if we hadn't had the goals from him, we really, really would have been struggling with him already being in double figures. And despite a shaky game last time out, centre-half Rollin Menaise has been very solid on loan from Walsall, a player that had been playing low on confidence but has come in and seemed to found his, find his feet. So, unfortunately, there's not many players I can pick out in terms of 
to watch for because unfortunately there's a lot of dross, no disrespect, that has come down from Scotland. So with the ex-management duo. So yeah, not many players to pick out, unfortunately, at the minute. In terms of how our club approaches the FA Cup, I mean, last season we went on an incredible run, beating Wickham, beating Lincoln, beating Blackpool 2-1 at home in January to set up that tie against Crystal Palace, which, if you ask many Pools fans, was one of the best days we've ever had as a club. It was a moment to reflect on just how far we've come. Um, in the past years, we've been through a lot of trouble financially, close to losing the club, etc. But, you know, we are now looking to cup competitions to give us a bit of excitement a bit of something to cheer about because as I've mentioned it with the league form it, it's been really really poor so look we'll be heading into this wanting to win it we're the underdogs um, and in terms of my thoughts on Stoke without any disrespect obviously an ex-Premier League team and I personally wasn't disappointed with the draw um, but I don't know loads about you as a club um, and again, no disrespect, I'd rather be having a Premier League away day or even better for me uh, personally if this tie was away at your stadium because it'd be a great for a, a big day out. But look, I don't think it's as bad as draw as some people are making out. I think it'll be great to welcome a team that we have beaten in the past um, in the FA Cup, beaten you 2-0. So look, in terms of... Th Thoughts on Stoke, obviously I have nothing against the club at all. Ex-Premier League, that's probably as far as my knowledge goes. With a prediction, it could really go either way. I mean, we you could either come and turn up and batter us or we go and sneak it. But I'm going to go with the latter. I'm going to be positive. At the end of the day, I'm a Pulse fan through and through. So probably through blind optimism and hope, I'm going to go with Pulse sneaking the tie. We'll go with, like we did against Blackpool, a 2-1 win. Hi there, you Potters predictors. This is Graham McGarry getting ready for FA Cup weekend to try and predict the scoreline. Of course, 2023 didn't get off to the right start, did it? If you're a follower of the men in red and white striped shirts, of course, they were beaten by a late, late goal at home to Preston North End. Well, it's a big break from the Championship and they're heading up to the North East to take on a Hartlepool United side We'll finding life a little bit difficult in League Two this season, so hopefully Stoke should take some confidence out of that and go away to the northeast and then come back into the fourth round draw. They're up against an experienced manager though, and Keith Curl, so he might be plotting what will hopefully be a big shock result in the FA Cup for his Hartlepool side. But Alex Neal knows he's got to get this result right because things are going a little bit sour at the Bet365 in the last few weeks. I'm pretty sure he'll be naming a strong side. He won't want to be facing a banana skin of a result. I'm confident that Stoke should be going through quite easily. Hartlepool nil, Stoke 2. Thank you very much both for the audio. Always appreciated. Um, so, yeah, you're going for a... Hartlepool sneaky win. Uh, wouldn't put it past you, to, to be honest. I really wouldn't. Not the way we are right now. Um, and we'll have some major team changes, I think, coming up, which means that we're not exactly going to be fluent anyway. So, yeah, difficult to predict. Obviously, Graham's gone for his traditional Stoke win, which is always a, a bad sign, um, to be honest. He's gone 2-0. So, yeah, he's always there to lift our spirits a little bit, which, to be fair, most people need after how miserable we've been on this podcast tonight. Um, so yeah, thank you to to both of you. Um, Dan, I mean, 
when we talk about team predictions, mate, I mean, this is pretty tricky. I'm assuming really that it's going to be a bit of a um, a change. I mean, I've made, I think, what, 11 changes, 10 changes. <laughs> Just, just uh, the 11. Yeah, and I won't give you reasons for it because it'll be a long one. But So I've got Burskin goal. Um, if he's fit, Sterling. Uh, and then you've got Taylor, Jagielka, Fox. Um, I've actually brought Klukas back again. If not, Klukas isn't fit, which I don't think he actually is. But if he's not fit, then Thompson will keep his place. And then in front, you've got Kilkenny and Laurent. And then Fosu, Gale and Wright Phillips. So like a four three three effectively. Okay, so I've got I've made eight changes. So I've got Bursic in goal, uh, Clark, Jagielka, Taylor, Fox, Kilkenny, Loren sitting deeper, and then um, I've got Brown leading the line, Powell playing behind him, and the wings. I've got Demarjo Wright Phillips on one wing, and I've got Jack Griffiths as a bit of a wild card, giving him his debut mm-hmm. on the other wing. You know what? Actually, that's a that's a good. Good point. People like him and um, Tezgal, surely they've got to be up for a chance here. Yeah, I mean, Tezgal and Lowe are both on my bench. I've got Tezgal, Lowe and Will Smith are on the bench. If the game's settled with 20 minutes to go, whatever, throw them on. Um, Luce Baker, Wilmot Timon are on the bench if we needed to try and settle a tight game. And then Tommy Simpkins, my subkeeper, just a bit of experience on the bench. Again, player who maybe chuck him on for the last 10-15 minutes if it's yeah, two or three nil either way. Yeah, fair enough. And Sam, um, I'm putting you on the spot here, mate. Have you? Can you think of a team that you wanna you would put out there? Um, well, I'd I'd definitely play um, the youngsters. Certainly, maybe Tezgel. Um, I'd probably put him on the bench though. Uh, right, Phillips. Um, if he's fit, definitely, definitely let him play. He's um been frozen out in recent weeks, so. Um, yeah, um, maybe or Kagbu actually, um, maybe a little debut there. But yeah, mostly just the youngsters, so they can show them fight. If it show their fight, sorry. There's a few players, isn't there? They've got a lot to prove, I and mean, we we'll, we we'll look at those names we've mentioned: Kilkenny, Wright Phillips, you know Taylor. There's a lot of players who have got to treat this game as a chance to impress Alex Neal, especially with the window being open. You know, Kilkenny, there's no chance he knows anything about Kilkenny. I don't, I don't, I don't think for a second he does. Taylor, he will only know what he's seen in training, probably. Um, right, Phillips again, same thing. He's barely really played. So I think there really is a few people playing for the shirt tonight. And obviously, if we get through, the chances are they will probably play again in the next round. Um, so... There's a few careers on the line, Stoke careers, shall we say, on the line for this one. Yeah, for me, the thing with our squad is, like, it's not as if we've got a first 11 and a second 11. And no. there's a massive gap between them. There's quite a few, like, I, I've thought here, like, Kilkenny and Loren and then Powell, they've all been injured recently. They're all, they're all going to get minutes and it's going to give them a chance to stake a claim to, to get a shape, basically. Because the midfields are not performing. So all three of them, it's they, yeah, they aren't a million miles away from being in the first team, are they? Let's be honest. With the players that are there, it's not like I say, it's not as if Thompson and and Baker and Smallbone are like you know miles away, and it doesn't matter if they man of the match in this game, they'll still be out of the team next week. Mm-hmm. A good showing here by Loren, for example, or Powell, um, even Kilkenny, and you could see him start in the next match. 
you know, against Sheffield United. It might yeah. not be the best thing for him long term to start that game, <laughs> but you know, <laughs> I might not want to be associated with that result. <laughs> Mate, it'll be a typical Stoke. We'll go win. Uh, well, we shouldn't be, but you can just see it coming. It's what we're liking it. Yeah, um, I, mean, I don't think I retained Brown up front because I thought he, like I said earlier on, he sort of feels like he needs to run a games after this injury. Just to, he seems like he's that kind of player. He finds a bit of rhythm as he the more he plays, um, and I thought as well. Obviously, it gives him an opportunity, not dismissing Hartlepool, but he's got an opportunity to get himself a goal or two anti as well in this game, yeah. you'd hope, um, which might just help kickstart that rhythm into action a bit more. Um, Clark and Fox have kept them in the back line because I think sometimes if you change everything, it can have a negative effect, whereas if we keep a couple of the defenders in there, there's a little bit of something still. And Jagielka has been playing recently as well, Anti. So you know, you've got you know, three of the back four there who've been playing together recently. Yeah, yeah, for sure, mate. And when I look at Hartlepool as, as a team, and they 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 play a traditional four three three. They really like to kind of hold possession. So I think what we will probably find is they will come out gung ho against us. So I think. Our defense need to be on on the ball because it, it does feel like one of them games. You know, I think like the last game, Hartlepool got a three three draw against Harrogate. They had twenty shots. Um, mm. You know, fifty three percent possession, twenty shots. Uh, they outformed Harrogate on passing accuracy, overall passing possession, shots on target, general shots. Like they were all over them. And there's a bit of a um, a bit of a theme going out throughout their game. So they ain't going to sit back and just let us dictate the play. I don't think that for a second. So this is one of them slippery games that could easily get away with, away from us um, if we don't take it seriously. So Got nothing to lose, have they? No, absolutely not. Nothing to lose at all, mate. And and that's why I think for my kind of score prediction, I'm going to have to be positive on tack. We've been too doom and gloom already. So 2-1. A scraped 2-1, really. Um, not a classic performance, but yeah, 2-1. I mean, Sam, what score prediction are you going for, mate? Win, lose? Well, you're going for a win, hopefully. <laughs> we, we can't depress people anymore, mate. Please be a positive one. Um, I am going to be positive. I'm going to say 2-0. I think um, they've got something to prove, definitely. So, yeah, 2-0. And Dan, what are you going for? I'm going to go four one, and do you know what? Do you know what? I think they they go they go one nil down, and I think it's a bit of a it's a bit of a which way are you going to go here? Are you going to fall apart and lose? And is that going to you know just speed up the decline of this club and this side, or are you going to fight back and win a game you should still be winning even if you one nil down you know against a team at the bottom end of the league too? And I think they show a bit of spirit, they show a bit of fire, they come back and they end up winning. They get a sort of momentum and this sparks something going forward. It brings Nick Powell back into a bit of form, Jacob Brown back into a bit of form, um, and Josh, you know, Josh Loran. And I think it gives the manager more options, and this could be the turning point in the season. Let's be positive. I love that. Yeah, brilliant. Well, this, yeah, I mean, let's hope so, eh? Let's hope so. I think I mean, how many fans are we taking? Um, we had eight hundred seats, didn't we? And I'm sold out. I think. I was going to say I was, I was 
was unsure if, if it would sell out. But again, once again, mate, credit to all the Bloody Stoke fans. I mean, they're gone for punishment, I tell you. Like the the amount of travel and stuff that they've done. I mean, the just give them a bloody performance for once, for Christ's sake. Um, certainly deserve it. Um, so kind of rounding up a little bit. Um, I don't suppose you've got the gaffer, have you, Dan? I must admit, I haven't even looked at mine properly. So I've got Super Six. Go on, go Super Six. I'll let you do that. Have you got Super? Have you got your Super Six there? I have got my Super Six. I know that I'm. Uh, I think I'm like 63rd or something on on 191 points. I, I remember I did do my Super 6. <laughs> around 63rd on around 191. It's not that you've been checking the table at all, though. <laughs> well, I'm technically 63rd and 64th. Depends if you if you look at that. Uh, you, you currently now bang 64th on 195 points. Yes, 163 yeah, or 64th equal. Uh, I... Um, 84th. I'm coming up behind you now. I've I've risen risen a place this week. I managed to do it. I remembered. <laughs> <laughs> and and Sam, are you in the uh, Super Six or Gaffer leagues, mate? Um, not that I know of. No. Um, I'll, I'll look into it though. Well, make sure you're in there next season. Uh, for for sure. Um, if you if you are if you actually do play them, just let us know. We'll give you the code and you can join. Um. Would you yeah, like uh, yeah if you've got gaffer to hand, that'd be great. I'm sure nothing's really changed in a positive direction for me. So, every step along the way. Oh, it says I've gone up. It was wonderful, 27th. Cheat. So, I am on 27th with 1377. Andrew Blinston, 1378, one point in front of me. <laughs> Disgraceful. Uh, and Michael, you are 34th with 1334, so it's all very tight still. You oh, know what, though? I have been on 30, between 32 and 34 all season. I've not moved. <laughs> you are really consistent. Moved. And consistent. I do obviously need no. to go on and change my team, though, because I never, ever do that. I've just, I've left, I think even Baker's still in there. It says everything you need to know. Yeah, I haven't uh, changed my team for far too long. But I only had room in my brain to remember Super Six this week. I've got, well, I've got Will Smallbone and Lewis Baker in my team. <laughs> well, at least the good thing with Super Six, mate, is that some people at least know what they're doing because I know that I was looking. Luke Jones is is top, I think, last time I looked. Um, alongside Luke Higgins, actually, there two hundred and sixty eight points. Pointers to shame, to be honest. Uh, Matthew Robinson's been up there pretty much all season. He's while he's got he's third with two hundred and sixty five. And there's a number of others sitting in like the 240s, 250s. So an absolute ton to play for in terms of the actual leaderboard. And uh, yeah, if you win, then you you win nothing more than the pride. We're not going to give you any any uh, any vouchers or anything like that. We're too tight for that. Um, <laughs> well, Dan is anyway. I, I offered to do uh, vouchers and he said no. So. Really? <laughs> yeah, yeah. You, don't, you don't remember that, Dan, because you were asleep. Um, <laughs> anyway, I think... I've got a little quiz to finish you all off on. Have you really? Go on then, Sam. You better be on your ball, on on your A game here, mate. I uh, need help with these quizzes. How old are you, Sam? Just out of interest. I am sixteen. It's may maybe beyond you then, as I believe you're probably two when this game was played. God. But Stoke travelled to Hartlepool, as we mentioned, and lost in the FA Cup in two thousand and nine. Can you name the fourteen players? Who played for Stoke that day? I'll gi- I'll give you four 
incorrect guesses. You have four lives. Think back. You've just been promoted. Yeah. So it's been first season in the Premier League. I'll, I'll give you a clue. I'm looking at this, and I believe one, two, three. I reckon they made eight changes from what I've looking at the team. There's only th- three, I reckon, who would have played Premier League games before around then. I think okay. I've got three guesses. Um, so, Ryan Shawcross. He did play. Um, Carl Dickinson. He did play. And Rory Lapp. He did play. So and that's my guess. Flap and Shawcross were two of the three who I probably would have been playing Premier League around that way. Um, Dickinson well, played left back. There's two. There's two players who definitely have been playing because they were signed in that window as a last minute emergency players. I think for the prior window because nobody else we, we had needed numbers. Um, so you'll find that Tom Saw was it Tom Saws? Tom, yeah. I think it is. Yeah. So Tom Saws and Michael Tong. Uh, both signed literally deadline day, I believe. So, yeah, so we played 4 4 1 1. Tom Soares was the man who played off the striker. Michael Tong played left wing. So, you've got your left back and left winger. Uh, Roy Delat played right wing, so you've got that. Shawcross, obviously, centre half. Yeah, and they Soares played as like a off the main striker. But I, so I can't think he would have been in goal, though, because Jesus, 2009. Right. Oh, was I'm trying to think if it was Simo or oh my god, mate, this is really. We should be doing this at quarter to midnight when I've been ill all day. Um, I don't. I can't give you a goalkeeper. I, I'm not confident at all. Well, just say the one you just said. Oh, okay, Simonson then. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Right. Okay. Um, uh, I'm out though because I can't. I can't think of anyone else. Don't have a clue who's up front. Right. So the right back and the centre half were both signed before the season started, and neither of them did very much at all. God, mate, that could be a lot of different players. Um, what oh, was? Always yes. Up? Okay, Sonko. Sonko is the centre half. The right back was like eternally injured. Ended up playing for Bradford. God. Signed him from Middlesbrough. Oh, Andrew Davis. Yeah. 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 He was subbed I... off after seventy-one minutes, probably injured, and was re- <laughs> <laughs> and was replaced by the other Mitchell brother, Dicko at left back. And Will. Wilco okay, yeah. yeah. Uh, midfield, um, so we've got two midfielders here. One I think probably was playing um, in the Premier League games around that point, and one who probably wasn't. Well, would have been Mister Reliable, I suppose. Glenn Whelan. Glenn Whelan played, yeah, and his midfield partner. Um, basically, uh, oh, he stumbled the ball into the net against Arsenal. Oh, Christ, Olafinjana. Olafinjana, yes. yeah, kind of off his leg, off his chest, yeah. off his head. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. um, Jana was subbed off after 54 minutes and replaced by um, 
one of your favourites from this era, who then went out on the right wing and Delap came play in the middle. Lawrence. Yeah. yeah. Liam Lawrence. Also one of my favourites. Yeah. Liam. Yeah. <laughs> um, who played up front? Not a clue. Uh, I don't know if he had his tag on around this time. Oh, I know you. <laughs> the tag. It'll be Vincent Pericard. Vincent Pericard, <laughs> yes. Um, uh, Tom Saws, last player to get. Like, Tom Saws was subbed off 54 minutes and replaced by a second striker. Record signing at a time. Sam Vokes. Huh. Um, no, no, don't know. Couldn't hit a. Cow's backside, Dave, David, David Kitson, the secret footballer. Yeah. Um, so yeah, he came on, but it didn't matter. Uh, Shawcross, the lat, Whelan, Lawrence, Kitson, whoever, Dickinson, Wilkinson, they still lost to Hartlepool two 0 So if yeah. them lot can't beat him, <laughs> what hope have we got on Saturday? Well, hopefully lots, because you are predicting a 4-1 win, mate, so you're clearly feeling confident. Um, Great. Okay, well, we better wrap this up now, because it's been a bit of a long pod, but um, yeah, Sam, thanks very much for joining us, mate. We'll definitely have you back on in the future. No, anytime, man. Hopefully, uh, you know, you'll bring with us a bit of luck and a bit of a win, so if we do win, then you're going to have to be on the next one, and you're not allowed to stop until we lose, which, I don't worry, mate, will not be very long. Um, So, yeah, we'll we'll have you back. Um, Dan, Better late than never, mate, but you joined us in the end. So thanks uh, again for enlightening us with your wisdom. Always appreciated. No problem. And, uh, yeah, well, I mean, I'm trying to think about the fixtures. No, I don't think we've got any more. Well, I haven't got a midweek game, have we? So, yeah, I think that's... uh, A week off after this, haven't they? Well, six days until the following Saturday. Exactly. So uh, we'll be back, as always, on Friday at 6am. So thanks, everybody, and we'll see you soon. Away days are great, but there's nothing quite like playing at home. The same goes for McDonald's. Maximise your home ground advantage with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app. At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. And there it is. That's as good as it gets on this stage. Nissan Townstar EV strikes again. It's an unstoppable van. Unstoppable! Look, just fantastic. You can actually see the ProPilot technology in action. Effortless parallel parking. It moves with all the confidence that comes with a five-year warranty. And with a bench full of all-star van experts, there's real strength in depth here. That's all-star quality. Search Nissan Townstar EV and visit your local all-star van centre to see for yourself. Terms and conditions apply. Five years or 100,000 miles, whichever comes first. ProPilot is an advanced driver assist technology. Driver's responsibility to stay alert, drive safely and control vehicle at all times. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.